Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. Today, we are kicking off Pride Month with my new homeboy, George Gonzalez. Now, I know that name sounds sexy and he's really cool, but when I tell you, you are about to experience the art of unshaming yourself so that you can trust and believe in who you are. And we even talk about the steps to coming out for those of you out there who may be afraid. Just remember this as you listen to this podcast, whether you're LGBTQ, straight, or however you identify yourself, Everybody's in the closet about something, and we're about to come out. Somebody say, Oh, yeah! No, no, no. What's up? You're better than Oprah. Come on, y'all. This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Jordan, oh my goodness. I'm so excited to talk to you today. And the reason why is because you are kicking off our Pride Month for Trust and Believe. You have the story that I think so many people need to hear by way of understanding what we go through as LGBTQ community. I just want you to really start off by telling me your story. And I do want to tell everyone right now that at the end of this podcast episode, you have to go listen to Jordan's podcast, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So just keep that in mind as he tells the story. So Jordan, just give it to us. Tell us about your life because your story is incredible. Well, yes. And first of all, thank you so much for having me, Sean. Um, I'm still fangirling. I can't (laughs) even believe you're saying my name. This is the craziest thing ever. My story really starts in my childhood. I am a first generation American. So my parents are immigrants from India. And when I moved to the US, I was about nine months old. And my parents really moved to the U.S. sort of with an assimilation mindset, like, we want you to be American, you Mm -hmm. know. But they they still brought with them the mentality of of what it meant to be Indian at the time that they grew up in India. And I grew up in a very religious household, going to church, um, Catholic, super Catholic, about maybe three, four times a week. And I grew up in the South, um, in a very conservative part of Texas. So 
there were no gay people who were openly out around me. I never knew any gay people. And, and from a very young age, I always knew that I was very in touch with my feminine side. And I think other people knew that too. And from, <laughs> from a very young age, I don't know how kids are like this, but they could like smell the gay on me. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I always thought that's like so weird how young kids – you know, because a lot of us got teased as a kid for being gay, right? And you're like, exactly. how do right. you even know? But anyway, go ahead. I get it. Trust me. Exactly. So, you know, I was exactly what you were saying. I was teased and bullied for being gay from a very young age before I even knew that I was gay. I want to say maybe from the first grade. And so my whole life in between my family members and friends saying, don't walk like a sissy or stop acting gay, or the church kind of not accepting gay people. Before I even knew I was gay, I knew that was not okay to mm. be gay. And it was not until I held it as a secret for 21 years of my life, up until the summer of going into my senior year of college, I got a really amazing opportunity to intern in San Francisco. And I thought to myself, okay, come on. Jordan. George is my nickname. George, George, come on. Um, you can't go to San Francisco and not be out. You know, mm -hmm. nobody's going to know you. It's SF. Come on. So I went there and the first person that I told that I was gay to, I ended up falling in love with. And we were, our relationship grew into a really lovely, serious relationship. And I had realized over the course of the next couple of months, I was living a double life. And so I had... Can you explain to people what a double life is? Because in gay culture, we know what that is. And there, but there are a lot of people out there, they're like, what is a double life? And it sounds so easy to understand, but I don't think a lot of people understand. So when you were living a double life, can you add some color to that? Like what exactly was happening? Absolutely. So, you know, on the one hand, I was falling more deeply in love with my boyfriend and I was experiencing for the first time in my life, this is what it feels like to, you know, Sean, the, the electricity, the mm. magnificence, the magic of being able to kiss someone that you love mm. for the first time in my life. And on the other hand, I'm calling my mom on a weekly basis and she has no idea. She thinks that one day I'm I'm going to be marrying a woman in the Catholic Church. And it just felt like I was not only dishonoring my partner by hiding that, but I was dishonoring myself by hiding such an integral part of who I am and and you know, oftentimes in the gay community, we hear this phrase it's not my whole self. It's just a part of me. But in reality, the person that you love, the love that you share for other human beings, how can that not be such a huge part of who you are? And, and I felt torn between those two ideas. And, and that was really the core of, of the double life that I was living was that mm -hmm. dilemma of not being able to share this magnificent experience with the people that I love. And so I remember very vividly my brother was getting engaged and he lives in Hawaii and I hadn't seen my parents for a couple of years and we're going to go. I was interning and doing the traveling college thing and um, 
we we decided to go out there to celebrate his engagement and i knew that i had to tell my parents at this point i could not put it off any further and i felt so bad because my brother's my best friend i love him and i wanted this to be his moment but i wasn't sure when i was going to see my parents again and it wasn't the perfect time and i waited until the last day and i told my parents and they were devastated they were very heartbroken they i think in that moment i i remember Sean leaving to go to the airport and for the first time in my life i saw my father cry and i remember him hugging me in a way he had never hugged me before almost sort of like protective mm. and i felt wetness on my shoulder and i realized he was sobbing i'd never seen my father cry and in a way Sean i think that my parents had begun the process of grieving their expectation of who i would be have you ever thought when a parent or parents grieve about the fact that their child is gay and they made that child you made me like shouldn't you accept me for exactly you know what what i am and who i am like did you ever think about that i absolutely did and for a period there was a little bit of anger there on mm. my part and about a month after i went on this backpacking trip to india and it was the first time that i had been to india since i was a child and i didn't really know my family all that well i knew my grand my my nanas but that was pretty much about it and i didn't really know that much about indian culture because did my you parents, speak the language i didn't and oh. you know like i mentioned when my parents immigrated to the us they really immigrated with the idea of we want you all to be americans mm. And so my mom speaks several Indian languages but she and my father made the decision not to pass those on to us. And I'm very grateful we we always had Indian food. It was amazing in my house and all of that, <laughs> but we never really had other things. And so this was really the first time that I had experienced what my own culture was like and in a sense who I am. Wow. And I noticed there was this one moment Sean where I I went out for drinks with my cousin and I'd met him for the first time and we really hit it off and we were a little bit drunk and and we went out for a cigarette break. I know you're a fitness instructor, don't side eye me too much. I'm not I am not a judging person. I'm like go smoke your little cigarette, have a good time while you do it. <laughs> once in a while, yes, once in a while. So we went out um and uh I told him I'm gay and and he said, you know, Jordan, I'm so happy for you, but I'm not so sure that India will be. And I just want you to be prepared for that. And in that moment, Sean, I realized for the first time in my life, I had been ashamed of this my whole life. I had hid it like a deep dark secret. And I realized the shame was never mine. It was my family's shame. it was my ancestor shame it was my society shame it was my religion shame and i had allowed that to be projected onto me and thought that it was my shame and 
what it did was it gave me a lot of empathy for my parents. It made mm. me understand where they come from and why they are who they are. And I am, I believe in every couple of generation, generation, Sean, there is one child that comes along that just trashes the camp <laughs> with their parents. I'm sure you were that child. <laughs> I am 100% that child. I feel like I have probably taken every expectation of what my parents thought my life would be uh, and have just turned that upside down. But you know what's really interesting about that is, you know, obviously I know you were, you know, just using an example of trashing the camp. Trashing the camp is also breaking the norm. Like everyone thinks when you break the norm, when you're not where everyone else is, when you're not going to get married, even somebody, even a straight couple that gets married, if they're not getting married the way someone else is, it's like you're breaking the norm and it, and it becomes like this uncomfortable thing. When in reality, I believe that you coming out, me, like it helps change the perspective of people. And even if they're not open to it, it becomes more real for them. That is absolutely true. And what inspired that whole experience for me is the importance of telling our stories because we get our meaning from our stories. We get our purpose from our stories and not just the stories that other people tell about who we are, but the stories that we tell to ourselves about who we are. And so when I had this revelation about the shame was never mine, I realized, I thought to myself, what are all the other stories of people who have had this same realization, but with different identities? And so my work as a journalist is really focused on telling the stories of underrepresented people, especially us queer folks who for the first time are seeing ourselves represented on the big screen, are seeing ourselves getting the opportunity to date and make love and have families and healthy relationships and security on the big screen outside of our communities where, like me, sometimes I never saw that in my own community. So that's really where my story is and, and where it's born out of and how it is driving the story that I want to write for the rest of my life. I want to dive into culture a little bit more because your parents said, you know, I want you to grow up American. America doesn't have a culture. You know, if you go to India, there is a culture and it may be some like subcultures depending on, you know, if you go to Germany, there's a culture. If you go to France, there's a culture. Right. America is I guess the best way to describe it is the melting pot because you have the South. If you go to dinner in the South, they're saying, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. <laughs> right. If you go to dinner in New York City, they're like, hey, what's good? You know, welcome to the restaurant. You know, you go out West. You, I mean, you know, we don't really have a culture here. And what I think is really interesting is that how you described you being ashamed of who you were, but it actually is your culture <laughs> and your ancestors that were ashamed. If you could give someone some advice on how to maneuver that, because there are people that are listening right now that are that want to come out the closet and 
it's because of their culture and they feel ashamed regardless of where they live. How are you able to maneuver that by your way of communicating to help people understand without having to, you know, change a religion? Well, you know, Sean, to answer your question, I think it would be for me, it was accepting the fact that duality is okay. Mm. I have always lived in between two worlds. On the one hand, growing up in the American public schooling system in the South and experiencing that culture. And as Americans, we, we do have a culture. It's a mixture of so many different cultures, but it, it's a culture of being free. It's a culture of being progressive, you know, all of that. So I grew up on one hand with that culture and I went to a performing arts high school Very in downtown cool. Houston. Yes. Um, and so I was always around artists and my father was a musician. And so there were always people in our house from all different kinds of walks of life. And on the other hand, I grew up with my parents who had immigrated from India in, in the 1990s, the 1980s. And I, I heard this really interesting quote recently about immigrants and it was about uh, basically the quote is like, when we leave our country, as progressive as it is now, we leave our country and keep the mindset of when we left. So for example, even though we're living in America, if I left India in the 1980s, I'm going to raise my kids with the mentality of India in the 1980s, mm. even though India today is, you know, it's, it's, it's getting progressive and LGBTQ rights are growing there. Oh. So I grew up on one side of my life with that mentality and on the other side of my life with, you know, this, this other liberal mentality. And I always kind of thought that I had to choose and I always thought I'm not good enough to live in either world. But the day that I accepted that I can live within the middle of those and I can be both and I can choose to live in one at one time and not one in the other that was really when I started to lean into my freedom and lean into my unshaming and lean into my liberation was when I realized I don't have to fit into anyone's box. My identities are extremely complicated and I can live in that complexity. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Let's talk about unshaming yourself. Obviously, when we talk about, you know, gay pride, LGBT rights, LGBTQ, one of the main reasons that we are afraid to come out is because we're ashamed. Um, obviously, something else that has a lot to do with not coming out is fear. Mostly fear of being judged, fear of being or feeling unwanted. You know, in your journalism and in your interviewing many different types of people, you know, what is like that main reason why people are ashamed? Like, what are they hiding? Or what is what is the depth in the core that causes them to feel shame? 
Yeah, that's a really great question, Sean. In my experiences and in my research and in my interviewing, it's isolation. It is, it's the idea that we think we're alone. We think that this identity that we hold, we're the only people holding it. And shame grows in that isolation. It grows in that feeling of loneliness, that there is no one else out there like me. And that is really at the core of what keeps us from sharing it with other people. Because as human beings, I've, I've done so many of these interviews at this point, Sean. And one of the questions I always ask people is, what are we looking for? And more or less, you know, people will give their different answers, love, we're looking for hope, you know, we're looking for all these different things. But really, everything, the common thread is we're all looking for connection. Mm. We all just want to be connected. We want to be seen and we want to be heard for who we are. And that feeling that we, that fear that if we reveal to other people who we truly are, that we will not receive that connection. That is really be, because we are the only person with this identity. That's really, in my experience, is what I believe to be at the core of shame. Does that make sense? It does. And it made me think of another thing that we need or desire, which is, you know, just the acceptance of it all as well. When we do feel alone, like you described, you know, when, when something happens to you, it's, it's, it's magnified by like a million, right? If you had a friend who was going through something, you're like, you know, you can do it and you can see that it's going to be okay. Or you can see how they can maneuver their way through it. But when it's you, it's like exponentially crazy. Exactly. And I think that comfort that you get when you feel accepted is just incredibly powerful i think it's one of the especially in terms of coming out as gay i think the idea of feeling accepted is one of the biggest confidence boosters you know what are we doing when we feel ashamed or when we're in a closet we're not truly being 100 percent authentic to who right. we are because we're not allowed to so i think my next question to you is it's very personal but at what point in your life or do you have that moment where you're like, I really feel like I'm being true to who I am? Because, you know, you spoke about you can choose to be on this side or this side and you can go to either one if you want to. But like, when did you feel, you know, what? I'm going to be me and I don't really have time to be worried about, <laughs> you know, like when did that happen for you? I have a very distinct moment and I think it sums up a lot of different things. So I remember I had moved to San Francisco after I graduated from college for my job. And over the, I lived there for about two years. And over the course of those two years, Sean, I just was so blessed to find such amazing gay men who I had friendship with and fellowship with. And they treated me with so much respect 
and kindness and and it was so amazing to see them because they were these confident secure gay men who just knew who they were and they encouraged me to know who I am and you know uh not have time for these scrubs who would come in and out you know how it is <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I don't want no scrub a scrub is a kind of get no lie from me, <laughs> <Life> from me. <laughs> exactly so I remember um it was it was during pride month actually in 2019 and I was with them and we were in one of the clubs and in San Francisco and you know it's crazy if if anyone has ever been to SF during Pride Month it's really crazy (laughs) and fun and I um I love to dance I love to dance I'm not a good dancer I don't claim to be a good dancer (laughs) but I just feel the energy moving through my body when I dance and I remember at one point being, uh, if I see a stage, I'm going on the stage. Oh, see, you are my kind of <laughs> You and me, uh, we would be really bad anywhere that had a stage. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. And so I saw a stage and I heard Gaga on the speakers and my my people were with me, my tribe, my community, they were out in the audience and it was just one of those moments Sean where everything just kind of clicked for me and I was shaking my ass and I was just like I feel so comfortable in who I am I feel supported I feel me I feel my spirit authentically and that was really the moment it was a culmination of so many different things safety community authenticity you know and that was really that moment for me you know, we talked about coming out and, you know, trying to work through the shame. But something that I've never done before, nor have I heard before, is, you know, helping people come out and the stages of coming out. Because, you know, in every, you know, gay friendship, at one dinner or over drinks, the question happens at the table. So when did you come out? So when did you come out? And it's, we celebrate like that coming out. We celebrate the fact that we came out, but no one ever talks about like helping people go through the process of coming out. And because you had to do it to your family, you have a different culture and a religion, but you interview people who are kind of like releasing the shame around something that's different about them or unique, I should say. What do you think the first stage of coming out is? Meaning like before you even tell a friend or a family member, like what are those, what is the first stage? Oh, absolutely. Girl, I have many different theories on this. Um, Oh, yes. Yes. So the first stage is, it's the shame, right? It is, it is. and, And the way we define shame on unshaming is the very painful feeling of believing that you are unlovable as you are. Mm. And so for me, I'll speak in I terms and I statements. When I came out, it was getting over the feeling that to be gay was to also be disgusting, was to also be abhorrent, was to also be, lonely to live a life of disease you know and so yes. that was the first stage yes go ahead i'm i'm just 
I'm loving what you're saying. I'm not going to cut you off. It, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. So that, that was really the first stage. But, you know, the second stage, Sean, which is a stage we don't really talk about that often, is the idea that although I am out, although I don't believe that being gay is what makes me inferior, mm. I still subconsciously think that I am inferior. Mm. And I'm going to overcompensate for that through my body. I'm going to work out seven days a week. I'm going to starve myself. I'm going to overcompensate through my job um, by getting the best promotions. I'm going to overcompensate by throwing the best dinner parties and wearing the fanciest clothes. And so the second stage I really think is overcoming the idea that you are inferior, even though you don't associate that inferiority with that identity. Right. And that's a really difficult stage for a lot of people. Cause I think that's sort of when it gets a little bit dangerous in terms of like, am I lovable? Addiction comes into play, substance abuse, intimacy issues. All of that is kind of what I define as like the second stage of that. You know, when, when I was on your podcast, you know, I heard you use the addiction kind of analogy and how that's how a lot of people deal with you know, either past trauma or sexual abuse and um, coming, getting through that. And it's something that I didn't experience. Why do you think addiction plays a role in this process? And um, from what you've, I know you're not a doctor, but I know you've interviewed tons of people. And so what are some right. of the things that people have said why addiction plays a role just like in that level of unshaming themselves Shame. or accepting themselves? Yeah. Well, you know, and it's it's not just my um, my personal work, Sean, that I've 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 done uh, in interviewing, but it is also um, it's also my personal experiences. Mm. I've actually dated a couple of addicts, okay, and um, I didn't know at the time, right? But the more I seem to understand addiction, the more I seem to realize it is a deep shame that the alcohol or the drugs seem to cover up, seem to numb, and it's a coping mechanism. It's an unhealthy coping mechanism, but it is. And, and really releasing that shame, owning that shame, owning your story, that is a huge part of unshaming and, and eventually moving to the point where we can deal with our shame with healthy coping mechanisms. It's interesting you said that because you said kind of like in a way of like covering up who you really are and hiding who you really are. And I, after years of therapy, I know that that is one of the reasons why I gained weight because I would, and you're going to laugh, but mm. you know, I got hit on by a bunch of girls, you know what I'm saying? All the time. I was like, you know. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, you're gay. And so at some point, if you keep, you know, perpetrating a the fraud, then you're going to have to sleep with them. And wow. like, while I have slept with women before, it, it's always kind of like a struggle because you kind of have to like, you know, you have to play this part. Absolutely. And I just remember thinking like, okay, well, if you gain weight, then maybe they'll, you know, think you're unattractive. Really? Yeah. But that didn't work. Wow. 
<laughs> I mean, and I'm like, I look back and I'm like, why would they? But you know, you know, you're in college, you know, whatever it is, what it is. But like, I really thought that, and that's why when I looked in the mirror after I gained 50 pounds, it was more about how I felt because it was like so many like energies that went into that. But I knew that part of the reasons was to, you know, try to get girls not to be attracted to me because then it was like less I had to hide, you know. Right. So, but I think you know. Now I really understand where you were coming from when you talk about the addiction part of things and how that comes into play. Okay, what do you think the next um, stage is of coming up? The hardest part, I think, is getting through that second stage. And I think you probably have experienced this a lot with your clients, maybe in your own life, but maybe it's not addiction. Maybe it's validation that we're addicted to. Maybe it's not alcohol, but it's validation. And so it's like spending so much time in the gym where the only thing we concern ourselves with is that moment where we take our clothes off in front of our partner. And if we're not perfect, will we be loved by them? You know, because we still hold that, that piece of inferiority that something outside of me defines my worth because no one actually validated me for who I am as a child. And so Overcoming that really starts with the internal work of realizing that I deserve to take up space simply because life is my birthright. I was just born to be here. I'm entitled to be here because I'm alive, you know? And for me, I have learned that through this project. I think I've learned that through the different interviews I've done. And, and as much as I'm a, a, the host of Unshaming, I'm very much a listener too. So I'm learning so much as people come on the show and share their journeys. And this is something that I've really learned is it's your birthright to take up space. And I think that is, that is really the beginning of what it means to get to that third stage of coming out, which means... Bitch, I'm here. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I am here and I'm oh, not going anywhere. My God. <laughs> Bitch, I am here. I just want to let you know <laughs> real quick. Absolutely, yes. Um, you know, and and that is really when you get to the point where it's like, not only am I physically here, but emotionally, psychologically, I've done the work to be here. I know that I deserve to be here. I know that I deserve to take up space. That is really, I think, what the third stage of coming out is. And we're seeing so much of that in the media today. You know, when we when we see shows like Pose, when we when we're having these really amazing conversations about intersectionality and how race and gender play into sexuality. I think it's just so powerful. And, and as a society, Sean, I feel like we're, we're moving into that third stage. I feel like we're still kind of doing a little bit of work as a society to overcome our, our inferiority of stage two. But I have hope that we're moving into that third stage. It's amazing what we're seeing right now, you know? Yes. And speaking of pose, um, I'm not sure if you've seen it but, or heard, but, you know, Billy Porter just came out. Yes. That he is HIV positive. And I remember watching the first season, kind of looking back to see his role, especially those times in the show where the guys go to get tested, 
you know, uh-huh. to see if the HIV positive. And now I look back at that scene and I'm like, oh my gosh. And he's like still sitting on this, not, I don't want to say secret, but he's still sitting on this, this, yeah, the secret the that he has. Yeah. I don't know. I just think it's a great interview for people to watch of him, you know, kind of explaining how he came out because it's just one of those things to help people know that even though we're gay and even though we might be out, there's still like, you know, like I say, everybody's in the closet about something. And so <laughs> what did you say? Bitch, I'm here. Is that what you said? <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know? So like, is that the, is that the next stage is the letting people know like, bitch, I'm here. <laughs> absolutely. And I'm here to take up space and I'm here to be, I, I'm coming here only as who I am. And if you can't accept every part of me, it's better for me anyway, because that's less time that I have to waste on getting you to accept me, on trying to get you to accept me. And I, I really do believe, Sean, that when we enter space exactly who we are, authentically who we are, we attract the people who love us for who we are. We attract, and not just relationships, but friendships, you know, beautiful, important, fulfilling, enriching people in our lives come in when we decide to give ourselves permission to be exactly who we are. That's so well said. And it's interesting because the next thing I was going to ask you about was, you know, how people should deal with people who don't accept them. But, and this is really hard for people to understand who have a fear of coming out. One of the things Mm -hmm. that I've seen time and time again, it's not that you are going to be able to fully dismiss the emotion of people not accepting you for who you are, but the more true you are to who you are, the more you will be surrounded and magnetically connected to people who really love you for you. And so for people out there who are afraid I get it. It's like, what if my parents don't accept me? I can't imagine my mom not being in my life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then, you know, you have this battle of, do I hide who I am for someone who's happy with who they are? Or do I show who I am for me in hopes that they can accept me for who I am? But knowing that once I am free to be me, that so many other people are going to flock to me. Because... You know, coming out is your truth. And when you are true to who you are, time and time again, anyone can tell you that more people start to gravitate toward you because if you're guessing or hiding who you are, then everyone else is guessing and hiding from you. And at least that's how I feel about it. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I completely agree. And, you know, one of the things that we define unshaming as, Sean, is grieving the loss of people who do not respect us, who do not honor us, who do not see us for who we are. And that's painful work. It really is. Um, But it's a part of the unshaming process is letting go of those who do not see us and hear hear us for who we are. And and I want to be mindful of the folks who are younger, right? Who, who maybe don't have the option to come out for safety reasons or for housing reasons. But I always try to say, we all have at least one person who will see us for who we are. And if we can continue, if we can find that one person and continue to trust in them until we're ready to let go of those toxic people, I think that can be a really powerful thing. But really just finding that one person who validates us for how we feel and tells us it's okay to feel that way. It's okay to be who you are. I think that's super important. Just one person, I think, is all it really takes. And with that, you know, you using the word trust, you know, usually I ask people what this trust and believe mean to them. But my question for you is how can you help people trust and believe in the fact that being gay, LGBTQ, any of it is okay? Well, you know, Sean, I I grew up in a very religious home. I grew up very Catholic, and I was a choir boy. I was an altar boy. <laughs> I was in the church multiple times a week. And while I'm not as religious anymore, I still do believe that there is a God. I still do believe that there is, and whatever you want to call God, universe, Allah, um, you know, him, her, they, anything. Um, I believe that God is looking out for me mm. and that there is an abundance to the universe if we truly just trust and believe. There is everything out there for us. It's There is no scarcity, you know, and all it really boils down to is us believing that we truly deserve the things that we want, you know, whether that's a a partner who sees us and respects us for who we are, whether that's a community that sees us and respects us for who we are, or a career that feels enriching Mm -hmm. to me, trust and believe. And for all of, all of your listeners and your audience out there, it is really surrendering to the fact that what we want is out there. And I think a lot of times people think of surrendering as maybe like going inward, you know, and giving up. But I think of surrendering as letting go, you know, and opening up and and letting the blessings come in. And so that would be my advice to anyone listening who doesn't understand what trust and believe is. 
it's surrendering to realize that everything that you need is already out there. It's just a matter of time for you understanding that you deserve it until it comes to, to fruition. And last but not least, how and what is the best way for people to find you and connect with you, Jordan? Yes, absolutely. So Unshaming is really my my project right now that uh, is the essence of everything we've been talking about, Sean. Like I mentioned, it is telling the stories of silenced communities. And so if that is something that is interesting to you, you can listen to Unshaming the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram at Unshaming and join us on the journey of of leaning into who we really are, you know, that that's really what the essence is and, and owning our stories 100%. Jordan, thank you so much. I appreciate you being on the show. And I know that people are going to feel just a little bit better about themselves. Now, whether you're gay, you're straight, <laughs> whatever your thing is, um, hopefully you find some peace in who you are and that you can continue to trust and believe in who you are. And Jordan, thank you. I love that. Thank you so much, Sean.